G'day, I'm Derek Fulterbrand, publisher of the Western Standard, and you're watching the Alberta Report, our daily uh, reports from the campaign trail here in Alberta. Uh, I'm joined today by Western Standard news editor, as usual, Dave Naylor. Good morning, Derek. Had a good long weekend? Yeah, not bad at all. Beauty. Also, uh, subbing in for our, Nigel today is uh, one of our Calgary reporters, uh, Jonathan Bradley. Doing good. How about you, Derek? I didn't ask you how you're doing. I just looked at you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm good, thank you. Um, all right, well, uh, just real quick. Today's show is sponsored by my favorite uh, sponsor, the Canadian Shooting Sports Association, Canada's leading firearms rights organization. If you're a gun owner in Canada, you need to stand together to protect your right to buy, use, and responsibly uh, own firearms in Canada. So go to cssa-cila.org. Or do what I do. Just Google them and uh, become a member today. Okay, we're going to uh, dive straight into it. Um, the polls are neck and neck. And they've been pretty neck and neck the whole time. Uh, going into the campaign, it was neck and neck, consistently UCP in the lead, but still within the margin of error. Yes. Now the poll, some polls are showing slight NDP lead, slight UCP lead all within the margin of error. Uh, so there are two very recent ones uh, that have come out we're going to get into. One from Sovereign North Research, which uh, was provided uh, ex exclusively to the Western Standard, and the other one from Abacus Data, uh, based further out east. Um, Jonathan, uh, tell us kind of the highlights of the Sovereign North poll first. So the highlights of the Sovereign North poll are the election is too close to call, but the Alberta NDP has a slim 1% lead, although this is within the margin of error. So, of course, there could be issues with that. Um, the poll shows that the Alberta NDP would receive 49% of a vote and the UCP would receive 48% of a vote. And then the Alberta party would come in thir a distant third with 2% and then the Greens and other would be 1%. Um, the NDP support is predominantly uh, in Edmonton. It's about 59% NDP to 37% UCP. And in Calgary, the race is tied. The two parties are at 47% each. All right. Uh, now, this is a pretty big sample size. Now, now, Sovereign North Research is a fairly new firm, although you know we know some of the, of the folks working there. They're experienced pollsters, but Sovereign North is a fairly new firm. Um, but it's, it's an absolutely gargantuan sample size. Do you have the, the number there about how many people it was? It was, I believe, almost 3,000 people. Yeah. Uh, you know, so m most of the polls you're seeing are about 1,000. And 1,000 actually normally gives you a fairly good snapshot. It just means your regional breakdowns are not that good. Uh, Dave, they're, they're tied in Calgary in this poll and in many polls. Um, a tie in Calgary still means a lot of seat losses for the UCP, but a tie in Calgary still probably means the UCP win overall. Yeah, the numbers still aren't there, uh, Derek, for the, uh, for the NDP to uh, uh, have a path to victory. Um, and I think the next poll we're going to talk about uh, will, will has even some more interesting numbers uh, on Calgary. Well, let's go straight into that. We'll, we'll get into the Abacus one and then we'll start <coughs> comparing them. Uh, jo Jonathan, what were, uh, what were the key points from this Abacus poll? So the key points are the Aberdeen Conservative Party is in the lead province-wide, but the lead is slim. Um, it's at, like, what are they at? So the UCP is at 40%, whereas the NDP is at 37%. Okay, so in this one, I think the big reason is that this is still including, uh, they have undecided voters yes. listed separately, which, which changes things quite yeah. a bit. And almost one-fifth of voters are undecided. 
at that point. And there's similar dynamics in play. The NDP support is predominantly in Edmonton, although Calgary is where it's considered the battleground, but the UCP have a slim lead. And on top of that, uh, what Abacus pointed out is that this is the first time that the UCP has such a large lead since they began tracking in uh, December. Yeah, th that's the thing that it uh, stands out to me, Derek, is that that 40% is up three points uh, from the UCP. Uh, the 37 is down three points from the NDP. And in, in Calgary, it's 47 to 42, which is a, you know, it's, it's a fairly healthy lead, which to me, uh, maybe there's some post-debate momentum going on there. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, uh, certainly from the Abacus poll, it looks like the, there is a bit of momentum with the UCP going into the final week. And uh, on the Sovereign North poll, while they're essentially tied 1% apart from each other, uh, so obviously well within the margin of error, uh, it did have a noticeable uptick in favorables for Danielle Smith post-debate. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I think it's been pretty universally, I think, agreed upon at this point that it was a good debate for Smith. Uh, you know, didn't uh, knock Notley out or anything, but... Uh, certainly exceeded expectations people had of Smith going in, generally performed pretty well. So her favorables are up. So that's one thing I noticed in the Sovereign North poll that they had. Uh, some, some of the downline numbers was uh, preferred premier. They're, they're tied. Whereas previously, people liked UCP but hated NDP, liked Notley but did not like Smith. And now Smith and Notley are getting a lot closer. At least for preferred premier, they're tied. Net favorables, if you like them or not, Notley still has a bit of an edge over, over, uh, over uh, Smith. But uh, yeah. well, it's been that way since uh, Smith became UCP leader, where she's had a lower popularity rating than Notley did. But one valid point to consider is that Notley's kind of transformed herself into, as Rebecca Schultz said, campaign Rachel Notley, because many people didn't like uh, Premier Rachel Notley. Well, I, I think to be fair, both of them have. There was uh, used to be leadership Danielle Smith, who was you know firebrand and the mandates beat the crap out of Trudeau, <laughs> and then you know Premier Danielle Smith, which has been much more. Uh, I promise, I'm going to be more boring from now on. You know? <laughs> and I think that's helped her. I think it helped her in the debate. Uh, people who were undecided probably tuned in to see whether uh, there would be a bozo eruption from her, and uh, and there wasn't. She handled everything. Uh, statesmanlike and uh, perform well. Okay. Well, let's kind of turn into where the campaigns are at overall right now. Um, there are no campaign events scheduled for either Smith or Notley today, and possibly, at least publicly announced, for a few days for both campaigns. Both campaigns appear to just be punch drunk at this point. They're like boxers in the ring, and, uh, and they're deep into it. They're in the backgrounds, and they're just kind of you know, you get those box messages. They're just kind of hugging each other. It's not very exciting anymore. They're just sweaty and drooling on each other, trying to get the energy to land one more punch, but they, they can't seem to go. And I know campaigns get way too deep into these sports and fighting analogies. Uh, but Dave, at this point, does it, 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 it kind of feels like, because uh, it's not just the 30-day the campaign here, because it's, a, it's been a hard-fixed election day for the first time in Alberta. <laughs> the campaign's really been going for like six months here. Uh, Smith herself actually had the leadership campaign uh, and then like scrambling through the first months as premier as the election was effectively underway. At this point, uh, the, is it just me or do these these uh, campaigns really feel like they have no gas left in the tank? No, they're, they're running on fumes at this point. And it's exactly because of what you said. This campaign's been going on for, for six months. 
uh, because of that uh, fixed election date. Uh, there's no uh, no rally scheduled for uh, for Notley until Wednesday. Uh, nothing for Smith, as far as we know, until Thursday. And this is the last week of the campaign. This is their their last chance. And uh, uh, they're uh, they've announced everything they're going to announce. Uh, so at this point, it's just it's repetition. And uh, maybe that's why they're staying off the trail because they don't want to bore everybody with the same thing over and over again. Or more that they don't want to expose themselves to a mistake yep. at this point. Uh, but jo Jonathan, uh, Dave alluded to this. Both campaigns have released their total, complete, full platforms now, right? Well, they've released the costing of the platform. I mean, there could still be platform announcements being rolled out in the coming days. But probably but uncosted. Ones, uncosted. That, ones that don't have explicit tax yes. dollar figures attached. Yeah, yeah like more like law type stuff, I assume, regulations, things like that. Um, but yeah, even with the costing, there was, uh, with the NDP's platform, the issue was that they didn't cost it to the businesses leaving if the corporate tax rate goes up. So obviously there might be some campaigns where on the Well, the NDP would contend that businesses don't leave if taxes go up, I suppose. Yeah. That's, that's their contention. Yeah. But even with that, I mean, there could be people who poke holes in the campaign platforms and then you don't have to go on the defensive mm -hmm. so at this point i think the campaigns are moving away from persuasion to mobilization get it like you know they, they've knocked on tons of doors some of these campaigns and the key constituencies on both sides have <clears throat> knocked on every door like three times i'm getting sick of it my uh you know my neighborhood they're freaking canvassers all over the place. And I've seen the same campaigns come through. Uh, you know, they've been knocking on doors long before the campaign started, which is why you've got now saturation knocking. They've identified their supporters. And now it's a matter of motivating them to get to the polls. And if you can't do that, driving to their houses and physically putting them in a grandma on a van and driving her forcefully to the polls at gunpoint. And so I think it's about mobilization at this point. Uh, I mean, you've been complaining about door knocking. I, I've been knocked, my door hasn't been knocked at least once. You live in an apartment. Yeah, well, you're still yeah, you're yeah. still like chemists and condos. I, I know, but it, it, it's 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 less it's less likely. You have to like arrange in advance to get into the building and have like elevator access for a lot of these things. So mm -hmm. campaigns have to plan a bit more to get into an apartment building. Yeah, right now the it's almost out of Notley's hands. It's out of uh, Smith's hands. It's in the hands of their workers and their you know the backroom boys and uh, and girls uh, who, as you say, it's now their job to get the vote out. Uh, and I'm sure they're putting huge resources into bellwether uh, uh, ridings that could go either way. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, everybody's sort of bring on Monday. And at this point, you know, I've had some birdies tripping. We'll see how reliable it turns out to be or not. But I've had some birds trip to me that uh, the NDP have still got some uh, oppo research dumps up their sleeves. And they're, if they're going to do it, it probably has to come about now to have any kind of impact um, you have to try and kind of throw some muck at UCP candidates or, or Smith who have said something in the past and that comes out. Uh, if they're going to do the big one, it's got, it's going to come now. Like we're Tuesday and we vote six days from now. And, and people are already voting in the advance yes. polls in very large numbers. Like there's signs that we're actually going to have a fairly high turnout election here and competitive elections tend to do that. Well, if they had the big one, why wouldn't they have brought it out earlier? Well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, they, they, they've already released some stuff that's had an impact. They had a very sympathetic media to, to drive that home. Uh, and the media has not picked up any really of the hits on the NDP side. Uh, Nothing in, on in the it, communists. 
No, no. If, uh, you know, you've had, yeah, your own reporting. You've unearthed four <laughs> communists or communist or communism things shared from NDP mm-hmm. candidates. Not, not a word. Yeah. Uh, I think the only thing that got any mention in the news was uh, the Livingston McLeod NDP candidate who said the oil industry was like slavery and Albertans are a bunch of entitled rednecks. And the defund the police candidates, but that was back in April. Yeah, so there, but there hasn't really been much. Definitely nothing that got front page coverage here. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I think that's probably the only thing that could really upset the apple cart at this point. But uh, I'm surprised not to see more rallies because rallies about motivating your volunteers and supporters that get them out. That's really all you should be doing at this point. But. Yeah, you want to be seen to having momentum. And yeah. if you can get a rally of four or 500 people, people will think, oh, wow, they're, they're doing well. I want to be on the winner's side mm-hmm. and maybe change their vote one way or the other. But no, nothing like that yet. Indeed. Okay. Thank you, gentlemen. And thank all of you for joining us today. Uh, We'll be back again tomorrow, but uh, mark it in your calendar Monday evening. uh, The Western Center is going to have live coverage of the Alberta campaign, uh, Alberta election on election night. Uh, The polls close at eight o'clock. We'll be starting, I think, what, 730, we said? I thought we said noon. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite. uh, Not quite. Not quite. I think we're going to start 7, 730. We'll have the exact time for you soon, but... uh, be sure to tune in on election night. We'll take you all the way through as the polls close and those uh, results start coming in. We're gonna have, we have a really great lineup of a- uh, analysts coming out, guys who are going to be able to look at individual polls and individual ridings and make a pretty educated guess about the way the election is going to uh, turn out based on how that goes. So thank you very much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow, and God bless. The current Northbridge feed grain prices are as follows. Cash barley is steady at 405 Feed wheat remains at 404, while corn increased two dollars at 390. In the milling wheat markets, July Minneapolis futures spiked 17 and a quarter cents at 826 per bushel, with local hard red spring bid for May movement at 1025 per bushel delivered. Over to the canola market, nearby canola futures gained four dollars and sixty cents at 702 per ton, with delivered values for May movement at 1569 per bushel. In the pulse markets, nearby red lentils are trading at 33 cents a pound, and yellow peas are holding at 11.25 per bushel. Looking at the cattle markets, June live cattle inched down 30 cents at 164.75 a hundredweight. For more information on pricing and picked up on-farm options, give me a call at 403-394-1711. I'm Vera Buziak at Marketplace Commodities, accurate real-time marketing information and pricing options. Canadian Shooting Sports Association. Without the CSSA, our gun rights would have been taken long, long ago. These guys are on the front lines uh, helping to draft smart and intelligent firearms regulations and legislation in Canada, and more importantly, educating the public about how we keep guns out of the hands of the wrong people. You become a member, it's absolutely worth every penny. You can become a Western Standard member for just $10 a month or $99 a year for unlimited access.